Somebody sent me a quote this morning that said, you should be as excited about church as you are about the Super Bowl. So when your pastor makes a point this Sunday, pour Gatorade over his head. So I'm not preaching today. You're dismissed. <laughs> no, no, hopefully you didn't bring any Gatorade with you. <laughs> uh, it was funny. Thank you to yeah, the one who sent that to me. You know who you are. Today we're going to talk about what I have titled, How's Your Boat? How's your boat? If it's ready, it can go up there. From Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. I plan to spend the next few times that I share over the next few weeks looking at some different topics from Romans chapter 12. And most of this chapter, when you study it out, has to do with the marks of a true Christian. Your Bible may actually have a title over this chapter that says something like that, the marks of a true Christian. No matter what is going on in the world around us, Romans 12 gives us guidelines of how we are to be as followers of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the first part of this, what I'll call a series, today, the one main thought that I have is from Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 that says, do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to this world in Romans 12, 2. And so that's the thought that we'll be considering today. Conformed, and you'll see where the boat ties in, conformed means to fashion alike or to conform to the same pattern. It's like something that is molded. So when it says don't be conformed to the world, it's saying don't follow the same pattern. Don't fit in the same mold as the world. Now, part of the reason I think I've been thinking this thought or pondering this one phrase, be conformed to this world, is because of some of the things that we have been experiencing here in our nation of America. And it's easy to get caught up very quickly emotionally or politically in the things that have been going on. Many Christians have done this. But when a Christian makes anything other than Christ their primary focus, they lose the message of redemption through Christ. When they make something else their primary focus. And their message becomes about what they support or about what they oppose rather than about Christ and about living for Jesus Christ. You know, in some of the causes, I'll just name a few, not specific ones, but, you know, it can be a humanitarian effort. It can be an environmental cause. It can be a style of healthy life choices. It can be medicine and promoting that. It can be politics. It can be all sorts of things. And I'm not saying this list as these things are all necessarily bad or good or evil. Some of them may be, but that's not the point of the list. They don't have to be sinful or wrong things. But if it's something that grabs us and takes us and becomes our primary thrust, it is wrong. And it will take us away from, again, from our primary message of serving Christ. So where does the boat fit in? Because I said, how is your boat? Well, we're going, our main focus, like Romans 12, 2, is the seed thought. The main verses we're going to be looking at are actually ones that Pastor Neil mentioned in Sunday school from John chapter 17. But before we get there, I'm going to start with a story. Now, that passage talks about being in the world and not of the world. 
I got this story from an article put out by the Christian organization Crosswalk. Somebody was just recounting a story that had happened to them. And they said, it went like this, something like this. One summer, my parents gave our kids a blow-up raft to use in the neighborhood swimming pool. The first couple weeks, it worked great. My three children had a great time paddling around the pool and giving rides to their friends. Then, guess what happened to the raft? It developed a small hole. The little bit of water that it allowed didn't really cause any trouble. But soon, other larger holes developed, requiring the kids to constantly scoop the water out of the raft to keep the raft afloat. And we threw it away because it no longer served its purpose. What was it designed for? To float, not to sink. It was supposed to be in the water, but water was not supposed to be in it. The boat is designed to be in the water, to be completely surrounded by the water on all sides, but there should not be any water inside of the boat. For those of you who have gone boating before, <laughs> you know it's a problem when there's water in your boat. Not happy times ahead, depends how bad the leak is. And then it had this quote in the article. It said, our goal as followers of Christ is to actively engage our culture, or our society, or people around us, we could say, with the gospel without allowing the culture's ungodly morals, values, attitudes, and behaviors to infiltrate our life, to become the water that gets inside of our boat. We're to be the boat that floats, not the boat that sinks. Sarah was reminding me of a, a sermon illustration years ago that Daniel Krupp gave. Was it, was it here from this pulpit? It was here, okay. And he was teaching or talking about Proverbs chapter 30. And there's a verse in Proverbs 30, in verse 19, that says the, that something that is wonderful or hard to understand is the way of a ship in the midst of the sea. And he made this point. I don't know any of his other points, but this was the one that Sarah mentioned to me. He said, no part of that ship is made in the sea. It is all made on the land. But no part of that ship is made for the land. It is made to be in the sea. Interesting point. It is made on the land, but it is made for the sea to be designed to go out. And we're going to see that in John chapter 17 when we look at the look at the. Thoughts from that this morning. Why don't we read those three verses, John chapter 17, verses 14 through 16. John 17, 14 through 16. This is part of Jesus praying to his heavenly Father. He says, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. There's three different ways, basically, that we as Christians or followers of Christ interact with the world around us. And we'll use the boat illustration to help apply this to our lives. One is to be completely separate from the world. Totally separate, totally removed from which is like the boat on dry ground. Remember we said a boat is made on land, but it's made for the water. 
It's made to be in the water. A boat, what good does it do if it is on land? What's the purpose of the boat? You can't hop in it and drive down the road. You can't go anywhere unless there's a flood. Noah's Ark was built on land, but it needed the flood to actually go somewhere. That was a survival tool right there to survive the water, but it had to be in the water. Otherwise, it was a pointless boat. Your boat will stay completely safe if it's not in the water, but what's the point of having a boat? I had somebody tell me a, while, a couple months back, they, they said an interesting statement, and I didn't understand what they meant at first until they explained it. They said, you know, I serve Christ, but I am not ultra-conservative. And I'm thinking in my head, okay, <laughs> explain what you mean. And they went on to say this. Their point was that sometimes somebody who says they're ultra-conservative has so far removed themselves from society that they're not in society. They have no effect on the people around them. That was their point. I'm not making a, a political statement by saying ultra-conservative. That was just their statement. They're saying... I don't live that way. I serve Christ. I have very strong values, but I still reach to the people who are around me. So the goal and intention of being completely separate from the world is good. To be unaffected by the world is a good goal. It is a good intention. And it's easier to keep God's standards when you are completely removed from the world. That part is very true. But Jesus said in John 17, 15, I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but that you would keep them from the evil one. So Jesus' prayer was, my followers, my disciples are going to be in the world. They're going to be surrounded by the world. And Father, I ask that you would keep them from the evil one. That was his prayer. So that's one area to have a boat perfectly made, well-constructed, well-formed, but sitting on dry land. What's another area that a Christian can interact with the world? That's to have a boat that's not so well-made. It's in the water, but it's got water in it. And that is also a problem. Like Romans 12 verse 2 said, it says, Do not be conformed to this world. Perfect. Thank you. Do not be conformed to this world. Don't be the boat that's full of water that is sinking while it's trying to reach the world. Don't be that boat either. Like that story at the beginning of the raft that's out on the water, but it's got holes in it. It's a scary thing to be out in the middle of the water and to realize your boat has a hole. Has that happened to any of you here? I see one hand, maybe two, three. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> we used to take our youth group on a camping trip every single year. And we, it, it, was, out, it was wilderness camping, literally. We, had, we drove a few hours. Then we had to take canoes and all our supplies and portage a couple of times and get out where there was no motorized vehicles permitted. They call it um, Queensland or Crownland, something Queensland. Wait, which? Crownlands in Canada, and that is reserved specifically only for these sort of activities. There's, you just go find a place where somebody else has found a place before, and there's a little campfire pit. You can set up your tents, and you can survive in the wilderness. It was always a lot of fun. And as you, those of you who worked with youth, you know they can be rather exuberant. And uh, 
we used to do these activities with our canoes where we'd put them out in the water and we'd have a couple of young people would go out in the canoes and then when they got it out a distance from shore, they would stand one on either end of the canoe and they would what they call gunnel bob and they would try to get the other person to fall off the boat into the water. All sorts of fun. There was a couple injuries from that, but we also took the, sometimes went on canoe trips on some of the times we were there and went like out into the bigger water. We were on a lake, but it was right off of Georgian Bay, which is a huge area of water connected to Lake Huron, I believe. And so one time we took the canoes and we went out on Georgian Bay, which is big water, big waves, big boats. And we were out there and they decided, the youth decided they were going to start horsing around out in Georgian Bay. And they managed to get their canoe sunk. Not to the bottom, because canoes don't typically go to the bottom. They float, but with water in them. And uh, so they're there out in Georgian Bay, motorboats zipping around all over the place, some massive powerboats and stuff. And they're there in the water trying to figure out how to get the water out of the boat so they can get back in the boat to keep going. And it got a bit scary. The, wa the wind had come up. The waves were probably, they were, they were, about two feet high probably out there, which when you're in a canoe is pretty significant. And so finally, two or three motorboats came by and rescued us. We were very thankful for that. But it was unnerving to have the boat sink in the middle of a big lake. Not the middle, actually. That's the very edge of Georgian Bay. If you were in the middle, you would see nothing. So we're glad we weren't there. But it can be very, very uncomfortable. And it was, even for our over-exuberant youth, to all of a sudden be a bit stuck and not know what to do. When a Christian compromises with the world, it's like being out in the middle of the water with a boat that is sinking or sunk. And at first, it might be all sorts of fun, like it was with our youth, and there might be goofing around, but it can turn into a nightmare very quickly. No compromise with the world is ever going to be good enough. Every single compromise is always one more step. One more step. Just one thing. One more step. And we may have good excuses for those things, but we're putting holes in our boat, and it's a dangerous thing to do. All right. Number three. You can guess what this one is. You can live by God's standards while in the world. You can reach the world and be unaffected by the world. This is having a really good designed boat that keeps the water out, but the boat is in the water. And you can probably think of some examples of people you know who live this way. I'm reading a book right now about, uh, from Reese Howells called The Intercessor. Amazing book. He lived an amazing life, a life that I, I can't associate with very much. Quite a man and quite a thing that God called him to and how he lived his life to intercede for others. But it talked about how for, I think, 10 years of his life, while he was interceding and doing a lot of ministry, he was still daily working in the coal mines. He walked two miles each way to work, two miles in the morning, two miles at the end of the day. That was his prayer time and his time he had with God. But every day he worked very hard in the coal mines. And it said after, after years of doing this, God, I don't remember the exact scenario or story, part of the story, but God called him out of that from that physical job. But eventually, many of the rough workers that he'd worked alongside with ended up in the, in the seats of his church because his life affected them. They had no effect 
on him. He did not think. He was not negatively affected. And that's because his focus was on the Lord. His focus was on following God, on hearing God's voice, on praying, on spending time with God, on seeking God. And like his life was God, 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 God. This didn't have any effect on him. The world didn't have any effect on him. Some Christians are so committed to living for God and loving and pleasing him that they are rarely negatively influenced and impacted by the world. And they have no fear of that being influenced by the world because they have such a respect for their God, such a love for their God, and they want to please him. So we're going to look now at John chapter 17 and some thoughts, what I call keys, because as Jesus is going through thoughts in this passage, he gives some specific details on how to be in the world, but not of the world. Or you could say, how to build a really good boat and use it. How to build a really good boat and use it. And they go right along with Romans 12, verse 2, that says, don't be conformed to this world. So we're just going to look at a few verses here in John chapter 17. The first one in verse 15, we read already. It says, I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but that you would keep them from the evil one. This is the prayer. And this is actually Jesus giving the prayer, but we can pray as well to be kept from the evil one. Say, Lord, keep me. Lord, protect me. Lord, you are my strength. Lord, you are my savior. There's a verse in the Bible that talks about the devil walking about as a, a roaring lion. Good, thank you. How many of you are afraid of a lion when you go outside? Oh, I got one hand back there. <laughs> I didn't expect any. Why aren't you afraid of a lion? They're not here. Okay. How many of you are afraid of a lion when you go to the zoo? Why aren't you afraid? Somebody said it. They're in cages. How many of you would be afraid of a lion if you were driving in a vehicle, a guided tour in a safari vehicle in Africa, and there was a pride of lions there? Would you be, okay, I got a hand. That's getting, I got a couple hands, few. That's a little more unnerving. Open windows, taking cameras, taking pictures. A little bit more fearful. How many of you would be afraid if you were out in the safari in Africa at night, unprotected, with nobody around, and there was lions. How many of you would be afraid? <laughs> yeah, I'd be climbing a tree or something. I'd find something, or I wouldn't be here. There's a scale there of fear, isn't there? We're not afraid because we don't have lions. We're not afraid at the zoo because they're in a cage. We're not afraid in a safari, really, because we're in a protected vehicle. When are we afraid? When we're unprotected, when they're around. We have no reason to fear the devil who walks about as a roaring lion unless we are out where he is unprotected. And who's our protection? God, Jesus, and he gives us the wisdom to know what not to do in the world to remain protected. There are things that you can get into where you lose your protection in the world. If you go to places, to dangerous places, you may lose your protection. We don't have to fear our enemy because God can keep us. It's like going to see the lion at the zoo. 
we don't really want to go see the devil. But God protects us in that way, right? Like he's behind bars and we're safe. We don't need to live in fear of him. And that could be a reason that somebody says, I'm, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to be a witness for Christ. I'm not going to brush shoulders with the world. I'm going to remain separated. And that can be said out of fear. Again, being separated can be a really good thing, but we can't live in fear of the enemy. God protects us and he gives us wisdom to know how to walk. So that point in that verse is to pray, to be kept from the evil one. Verse 17 it says in John 17, 17, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So this is to be sanctified in the truth. And the thought here is purifying or, or covering or cleaning. And it is through or the, the word of God and God who can purify us and make us holy through the truth of his word. If we go and follow in the filthy ways of the world, guess what happens to us? We become filthy. If you do a dirty job, guess what happens to you? You become dirty and you have to take a shower afterwards. If you walk in the ways of the world, you become like the world. You become filthy. So the point is not to go and walk in the ways of the world, but it's to walk in the ways of God while in the world. We meditate on what we memorize and we memorize what we hear what we read, and what we see over and over and over again. These are the things that we memorize. And again, those things that are in our head are the things that we meditate on. And if we constantly expose ourselves to the things of the world, that is what will become us. That is what we will memorize. That is what will be in our head. And I can list them off, and there are more areas for sure, but things like, and I'm not hammering on these, but many times there's very unclean things of the world in them. Things like movies or TV shows or songs or video games produced by very ungodly people, sometimes with very specific agendas. And if we as a Christian say, you know, it's okay, there's not that much in this, it's okay. Are we being influenced by the world. Is it infiltrating us? Hmm. And some people think they cannot memorize scripture. But it's how much time you give to what. If you can quote a line from a movie, you can memorize scripture. <laughs> it's just what you're feeding yourself. Jesus said, for those who were in the world for his disciples to be in the world, but not of it, that they needed to be sanctified in the truth. That's what needed to be in their mind and in their hearts. And that's what they needed to memorize and focus on was the things of the Lord. If we spend our time gaining our knowledge and opinion from the world sources, that will become our truth. Where are we going to for our truth? We have to go to the Bible as our primary source of truth. Verse 18. As you send me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. I've sent them. And Jesus sends all of us. So this point is be in the world, but don't, get, don't disconnect. Don't be the boat on shore. 
because Jesus calls us in whatever capacity that we have to go and to reach those around us. He's called us to be an influence on others who are of the world. Verse 21 that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. How does the world believe that Jesus is sent from God? What's the verse say? When we're one. When we are together with other believers, that helps the world to, to see or to recognize that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. It speaks a powerful message when Christians are united. There's an increasing movement, I don't know how widespread, but I'll say in our country at least, that I'm, I've labeled it the anti-movement. There's not actually a specific name for it that I'm aware of, but I call it the anti-movement because it is a group of Christians who have removed themselves from church. They remove themselves from anything to do with following God or what we would typically associate with those things. They are opposed to church. They are opposed to organized services. They are opposed to pastors. They are opposed to holidays. And they are opposed to many things. And my point is not to make you aware of that, but my point is that this group is anti. They are negative on everything. I've never heard something that they stand for. I've only heard what they stand against and they're Christians. What does it do to our testimony when we stand up and continually stand against other believers? What does that do for the world? Now, we can see the flaws in others who do that, but we need to be careful that we are not ones who do that, who spend our time being antis against other believers. Are we more known for standing against other believers or are we more known for standing for Christ? Which one are we more known for? <laughs> Amen. It is a great strength to us to spend time with other believers. That is why God told us, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Don't neglect that. I, we were talking to some Christian friends recently who go to another church, and their church hasn't gotten together as much as our has um, post-COVID or during covid and they were just telling us, you know, it's been really hard to be separated from the body of Christ, from our church family. It's been difficult. Part of the reason is because when we are together, we can strengthen each other. We can build each other up as the body of Christ. We can help each other walk in God's ways. We can help each other to be strong while we witness to the world around us so that we don't fall and we don't fail. So it is a great strength to be with believers. I'm very thankful to be with you guys. This is our home church. We were just saying on the way up from dropping our kids at Sunday school, you know, we have a really good church. We have a bunch of people here who are devoted to God, who love him, who do their best to follow him, and we love our church. Great support. All right, verse 24, John 17 Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. And this I call, you've given them, um, I desire that they may be with me to see my glory. 
to be with Jesus and to see his glory. This is an amazing way to stay strong, no matter what you are surrounded by, just like Reese Howells was, to be with Jesus and surrounded and behold his glory. A well-built boat does not do you any good unless you're in the boat. You've got to be in the boat. <clears throat> if you decide to jump the boat, the boat's floating in the lake and you're swimming. See, in that illustration, you could take the boat a few ways, but the boat could represent Jesus in that illustration. And so if Jesus is the boat, you've got to stay in the boat. You jump out, you're in trouble. Moses, when he was with Israel, he was surrounded by the people of God, but he was surrounded by a bunch of antis. He was surrounded by a bunch of people who complained and complained and complained about the things of God and the difficulties that they had. But nothing that Israel did would turn Moses away from God. Because God had or Moses, sorry, had beheld the glory of God and he'd stayed close to God. He would go and dwell in the presence of God. God would speak to him. He loved God and to spend time with him. Stay close to the Lord. Don't give up. No matter how busy your life gets, don't give up on God. Don't give up on your time with him. No matter how busy ministry gets, this could be talking to myself too, no matter how busy ministry gets, you, we have to stay in close communion with God because he is our strength. It's more important to cut other things out of our life that we may view as requirements than it is to cut Jesus out and our time with him. He's got to be primary. I'm not saying go stop everything you're doing, but analyze your life. Maybe there are things that are taking your time that shouldn't be there. Maybe they're, maybe they're making you go, I'm so busy, I don't have any time. Sometimes we do that to ourselves. God is important, and we need to spend time with him. Verse 26 I have made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. So the love which you have loved me may be in them. That God's tremendous love, how much does God love his son? That same love, he's saying, put in my disciples. Let them know how much I love them. You want to know how to be in the boat and not get holes in it? You love God and understand how much he loves you. It's like that with any relationship. If you truly love somebody, you won't want to do anything that displeases them. You, you live your life to please them. It should be that way in a marriage. Is usually in ours. We're, we're people, so it's not perfect. But we do our best. But it's because we love each other. When we love God and we understand how much God loves us, it preserves us. It keeps us. No matter what we're surrounded by, it keeps us. God loves you with an everlasting love, and he wants you to thrive as a Christian in this world. And then verse 26 also said, and I in them. So understand the love of God for you 
but also understand that Christ is in you. He's inside of you. He's with you. He's with me no matter where we are. He's with me to strengthen me. He's with me to keep me. He's an amazing God. So as we conclude this, I conclude it with a few questions. How's your boat? How is your boat? How is my boat? Is it high and dry? Am I really striving to, to follow God perfectly, but I am on land with my boat? I'm not reaching the people around me. Or is my boat full of holes and sinking? I'm trying so hard to reach the people around me, but my relationship with God is actually struggling or having difficulty. It's got, my boat's got holes. Or is my boat built well, and is it being well used? How's my boat? How's your boat? Remember Romans 12, 2, Jesus, or the Apostle Paul told us in this passage, do not be conformed to this world. Don't conform. So why don't we close in prayer? And a prayer just like Jesus, I would say, said, to be in the world, but not conformed to the world. And we can't, you know, we can't have an altar call right now because of spacing. There's not enough room up here. But we can have an altar call at our seats. So we're going to take a minute here. You can just ponder these questions and ask the Lord to reveal to you, is your boat high and dry? Meaning you're not reaching anybody around you, but you're trying to be perfect. Or are you sinking and failing in your relationship with God? Or maybe you're the boat that's built well and you're reaching those around you. You say, Lord, keep me. Preserve me in that way. So you take a minute between you and God, and then we'll pray. Lord, thank you for your love for us. Thank you that you are in us and that you walk with us. Lord, I pray for myself and for each one of us here, Lord, that our boat would be well built, that we would be well constructed in your ways, Lord, that the world would not be able to infiltrate our lives because of how much we love you and how much that we seek to walk in your ways. But at the same time, Lord, would you help us to reach the lost world around us? Just as you called your disciples to those many years ago, Lord, you have called us to as well, to go in whatever capacity you called us to, to reach the world that is around us, to be a testimony of your love, to be a testimony of your goodness. Lord, help us to be a strong boat, well-built, but help us to float. We just pray these things in your name. Amen.